0: To welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives to share their top tips for success with you. I'm really excited to have on the line today Gerard Dashe. He is the president at Government Blockchain Association. He's going to tell us a little bit more about that. Um, first off, uh, Gerard, welcome to the show. Well, thanks. thanks for having me, Adam. Yeah, well, hey, I appreciate you, um, you know, making time out of your schedule to come on here. I I, I was reading a little bit more about um, the Blockchain Association and the following you have there and some of the work you're doing, and we're going to get into that. I'm sure my viewers are going to be super interested in that, a lot of people out there that are curious about that technology. But before we go into that, um, let's talk a little bit about your background and, you know, kind of how you got into business. Sure. Well, um, I'm going to start from
1: uh, a, a kind of uh, growing up and just kind of the, the things that were important to me. Uh, growing up, uh, when um, I had a great, great family background, uh, we weren't we weren't really well off, but um, but I had a great, uh, great, great set of parents. Things turned when I was about 16. Uh, my dad died. And my mom had a nervous breakdown. So I was somewhat. Um, I wasn't technically an orphan because my mom was alive, but uh, I had a mortgage payment at 16. And um and ask some stuff to deal with. So I was um I had watched a lot of John Wayne movies, uh, at that time. And so um uh, I wasn't really good at asking for help. Um and um I, I thought I was tough, I could handle it. So I ended up uh I would work about five jobs, uh typically through high school and college, made my way through uh through both. I was never really an academic. Um Quite frankly, you know, I always wanted to have fun, but but life had kind of put me into this place where I just had to work. And um, and one of the lessons that I learned through that process was, um, you know, we're all dealt different hands, but uh, the, the one the one way that we can play our cards is uh, is our, our love of work, right? So um, that was that was pretty much it. I just tried to. It took me seven years to get through school. I didn't necessarily have stellar grades. But um, when I got into my first job uh, out of school, um, I spent some time in the military. I spent about 13 years in the military. And um, and that, the military really taught me, I, I think, two things, right? One was a sense of mission. And the other one was, uh, I, I started as an enlisted. I, I ended up as an officer. Um, but it really taught me to put the men first, right? To, that, uh, we, you know, we train our officers in, in the US military. That when the food comes, that all the you know all your soldiers eat, and then you eat last, right? That um, um, and so it, it really kind of gave me that perspective. Anyway, when I got into the private sector, um, you know, I, all I really wanted to do was uh, was really to work hard and, and create value. So I, I did that up until about 2005. In 2005, uh, I started my own business called Common Sense Solutions. And um, we were doing uh, process improvement, quality assurance, uh, stuff like that. I, I became what was known as a CMMI lead appraiser, and um, that's the person that evaluates IT companies to determine whether or not they have the capability to win large government contracts. And I did about oh gosh, I had somewhere between 100 and 200 appraisals of companies uh, around the world. Uh, I, uh, I was in, at some point I was invited to China, and I that, at this point I was a former. On the infantry logistics and intelligence uh, uh, professional, right, both enlisted and officer, and so I, they, they, the Chinese had invited me to, to China to evaluate Chinese government contractors to determine whether the Chinese government could trust them, because um, whenever they would send in their own uh, inspectors, they got bought off. So mm. uh, there was a, they they recognized the value of integrity, and uh, interestingly enough. One night I was in China evaluating a very large company. Uh, this was kind of like a Lockheed Martin of, of China. And mm-hmm. when it was done, we had dinner with the with the executives of this company in a private dining room. And um, and so one of them said to me, uh, "I believe the reason why the Americans are so honest is because they believe in God, and um, and they they're afraid that if they lie they'll go to hell." And I said, "Well, it's not exactly like that." And uh, I'm, I'm a Christian. So I started explaining the gospel. So imagine this: Uh, I'm in a private dining room with the executives of this very large government, publicly held uh, uh, government Chinese government uh, contractor. All the members in the room are also senior members of the Chinese Communist Party, right? And so we start this conversation. Well, they had never heard this before, so they started asking more questions, and it was like water. Drop, you know, falling onto a dry sponge, <laughs> and, and they just kept soaking it up. And the more, the more I would tell them, the more they asked. I ended up sharing the gospel for about two hours with senior members of the Communist Party in China. Mm. So, um, so I, I, you know, I, 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 had some situations when, when I went uh, when I went to China, and um, you know, I, I remember there was one case where it was a five hundred million dollar contracts on the line, and I'm looking through the documentation. I said, "Look, this is fraud. You, you can't pass." And um, they were less than euphoric. So they <laughs> sent man- yeah, they sent managers in to argue with me, and and then directors. They're a very hierarchical society, right? And then um, then they sent a vice president uh, in to argue with me. Then they flew another senior executive from another city. They held me there for three days, and I'll never forget. It was about ten o'clock at night. I looked out the window, uh, we were in the middle of this industrial park just in the middle of nowhere. And I looked out the window and not as far as the eye could see, there was a single light. I was surrounded by 30 Chinese people, uh, uh, screaming at me. One
0: wow. Morning,
1: he said, you've got to pass us. If you don't, our children, they will fire all of us. Our children will have no food. And I remember looking out the window and I thought, I'm not going to get out of this one and, um, uh, and uh, then after three days, I guess I got tired of it. They, they they put me in the car, took me to my hotel, I got my stuff. They took me to the airport, and I flew home. But um, my uh, my calling card has always been uh, integrity, and um, and you know that so that you know my the principles that I live live by are very simple, right? And they're um, they're work hard, treat people right, you know, put others before yourself, create value, tell the truth, and, and you know. And, and and just have some character. And and as I think back on it, um, a lot of it is stuff that I watched I learned from watching John Wayne movies.
0: Mm. Wow. So I mean that's that's quite a bit of uh I mean of experience. And when I think about principles and principle based living in, in business, but also um just in your day to day I mean, can you speak a little bit more about that? Because I don't, I, I don't, I, you know, I have a lot of people in this podcast talk a lot about business. We talk a lot about, um, you know, the mechanics of things. And in this case, I'm going to obviously um, grill you on, on blockchain and some other things you're doing there because, I, I, you know, we want to know and the listeners want to know. But let's just talk about the more, a little bit more, if you don't mind, about the idea of principles and leading that kind of principle based life. Because I don't think it gets enough play, in, in my opinion, in business in business, um, channels like podcast.
1: Uh, sure. Well, they're, they're not complicated. I, I think that's part of why they're not talked about because, um, you know, people are always trying to impress each other with, uh, you know, how smart they are and, and, uh, coming up with, uh, you know, all, all sorts of, uh, I don't know, new techniques and methods and models, but the basics always work, right. Um, you know, I, one of these, one of these guys that I really uh, respect. One time, she said, "You know, when all else fails, the truth always works." Right, and um, and so I I would just say that I there's a couple there's a couple sort of principles that, that I operate on. Right, the first one is when I engage with somebody from a business perspective, um, it's got to be a win win. Right, you got to figure out, you got to ask yourself the question: What is it that this person wants? How can I bring value to him or her? And I asked him, you know, it, you know I, I asked these very simple questions, right? you know, what, what is it you're looking for, for? What are you trying to do? And, and if I can, if I can create a situation where there's a win-win, then I'll engage. But if I can't, I'm just going to walk away. Because if if you can't really bring value to somebody, it's not a long-term relationship and, and um, they're just, you know, at, at some point it's going to fail. So being able to, to just be honest with yourself, um, and knowing what really is an opportunity and what isn't, I think, is is, is important. Um, the other the other thing I think is dealing with failure. Right, I, I've um, uh, I, I've had a lot of failure in my life, um, and I think that I, I've got a four step process in dealing with failure. The first one is step one. Whenever you are accused of something, whenever somebody confronts you, you know that your natural tendency is to become defensive. My four step process is this. Step number one right? Be honest. Look, is this something that I really screwed up, right? You got to, I mean, you got to stop and think, is this a legitimate criticism, right? If it isn't, you just got to let it roll off your back, right? Because people will criticize you, especially as you become more successful, you will get lots of criticism. And if you get spun around the axle, every time somebody says something negative about you, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're just, just you'll be a basket case. But however, if it is legitimate, you got to accept it. Right? You got to own it. You have to say you're sorry. And you know, I have folks you know, from a legal perspective, and other folks saying, no, 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 don't do this. But you know what? I'm sorry if I screwed up want to tell the truth. Right? That's mm-hmm. just that's it. Sorry. <laughs> no, I get um, it. The third thing is, uh, you got to do whatever you can to make it right. Right? If uh, and that means if you, if, you call, if the definition of integrity is about you know doing what is right you know even after the you know whether um, you know whether it costs you or not, you just did the right thing, so um you do whatever you can to make it right to the degree that you can right there's sometimes you'll screw up so badly there's nothing you can do to make it right, you know, mm-hmm. but you do everything within your capability to to make it right, and the last thing is you got to let it go, right you know learn learn from it, of course, but don't let that that thing inside of you eat you up, you know, for years to come and, and cause you to self-destruct because the, the secret is you're going to screw up a lot. If you're going for anything big, you're going to probably screw up as many times as you succeed, maybe more. Right. And you can't let those screw ups, uh, you know, constantly eat away at you. You got to go past it.
0: So, and then I,
1: I would say the third, the third thing that just comes comes to mind is, I have uh, two sort of mental images in my life that that are – these are tapes that are constantly running. Uh, The first one is – and they're both related to transparency, right? The the first one is um, I imagine whatever I'm doing is being watched by my wife, by my kids, by my friends, by my colleagues, right? Anybody who knows me that might have an interest in the situation, I imagine they're standing all around me watching me say whatever it is I'm going to say, right? Do whatever it is I'm going to do. And um and I gotta be okay with that. Right. And then the um the, the other the other version of the same principle is one day I'm gonna move my maker and when I do, we're gonna take that D V D, right, that I have and we're gonna mm-hmm. really put it in the screen screen T V that he's got up there, right? It's you know, all day yep. up and uh and we'll sit down and, and we're gonna watch my life, right? And I got a lot of stuff on there that I'm really uncomfortable about about that moment, right? I've done a lot of things I wish I hadn't, right? And so I don't want to add anything else negative to that D V D. Right. And so that's sort of the the rails that kind of keep me from just doing really stupid stuff.
0: No, I love it. And that's the really I mean this is just great info. Again, not just in business, because if you follow those principles I mean you have nothing's guaranteed in business but you have a better chance of succeeding in my opinion and living a life that you would want to um live yeah. and represent yourself the way you'd want to because again you know money comes but um at what cost also it doesn't have to be a trade off between money and principles um, so I love all the things that you shared in the message um and so let's talk a little, let's transition a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about what you're doing right now. So let's talk okay. a little bit about, more about um, Government Blockchain Association, what you're doing, who you help, because, um, you know, it's a hot topic. Blockchain is, it's, it's revolutionary, it definitely changes the world, is changing, and will continue to change um, the world along with AI and some of the other, like, real big, big things that are happening. Um,
1: and, and, and you're on the
0: leading edge of this. So let's, let's just jump into that one.
1: Sure. Well, uh, let me start off with a really um, uh, bold statement, uh, and I really believe this to be true down to my core. Blockchain is the most transformative technology in human history. And um, and the reason I say that is because almost all other technologies really have – generally have something to do with communications, right? And, and what, what communications have allowed us to do as, as a society is they, they've allowed us to uh, communicate, coordinate, uh Organized, uh, Organize, and what's happened is that we've been able to do that from tribes to villages, to cities, to towns to cities, to nations, to these super organizations like like Google or the u n or things that are uh, you know global uh, organizations. And what happens is as we are able to communicate uh, at larger and larger levels, what ends up happening is we give up more and more local uh, sovereignty to larger and larger uh, sovereignties, right? In fact, if you look at if you look at I think it's ninety five percent of all advertising dollars in the world, right they're spent on five companies, and you probably know the names of those companies uh, right off the top and mm-hmm. so with that much sort of centralization of influence and power and control, right it used to be that governments would tell some of those organizations you know they, they would basically write the rules. Now a lot of those organizations are saying, look, this is what we're doing and, and whether the government likes it or not, right? So there, there's a – there's over history, there has been this concentration, consolidation of power, right? Blockchain, uh, and it's got several different definitions, but the definition mm-hmm. associated with the decentralization uh, of it, it actually reverses that trend. And it says things like, Well, oh, hang on a second, I can send uh, – currency, I can send money from me directly to you and it completely bypasses the financial system, right? And the financial system is a system that enables governments to monitor what's happening, right? Whenever there's a crime, what do they always say, right? Follow the money. Um, It also allows them to influence and control through the availability of money, fractional reserve lending, you know, impact on interest rates, and and so governments essentially use and use financial systems, they use insurance companies, they use, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to pay cash for a car, that car, the car dealership is required to, um, uh, uh, to send reports to the government. So, so money, financial institutions, right, is, is, it's a mechanism of, of, uh, of control and coordination. If we all start using cryptocurrencies and essentially escape that system, they're, there are governments at all levels that, that, that have a uh, you know they have a a a responsibility to do certain things, but their very instruments that they use to do those things essentially are going to get short circuited right mm. uh, mm-hmm. on top of that you know if cryptocurrencies uh, are of fixed supply so i'll use bitcoin as an example there there's many others but um to, If you and I start using um, uh, Bitcoin or some other uh, cryptocurrency, right, and we're we're not using fiat currency, here's the problem. The problem is this. Um, Right now, the way the government works is they spend more money than they bring in. And if you're a Republican or a Democrat, right, it doesn't matter. If you vote to increase taxes or decrease spending, you're not going to get reelected. So... They keep spending more than they bring in. If if your viewers haven't seen it, they should go to usdeadclock.org, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and just see it. It's it's scary, right? Every every nanosecond, we fall further and further Mm -hmm. behind. In fact, the interest on our debt right now is just the interest is more than every federal program minus the DOD, Mm. right? It's scary. So what do we do? We increase the money supply right? Uh, through something called factual reserve lending. So we tell the banks, okay, you can loan out more money. Well, they do. Right. Um, so what does that do to, when you increase the supply of something, the, the, the and, and the, and the demand stays the same, right? The, the price drops. So the value of the money drops. This is why we have inflation, right? Now, if I'm going to continue the same level, so what, what that does is that pushes more money into the crypto space. I used, um, I used a, a cryptocurrency debit card for three months, right, and the price between when I bought it and I sold it at the gas station, the 7-Eleven, whatever, uh, I re- realized about $10,000 in capital gains. Now, I know what I'm doing in this space, right, and, and as more people learn how to do it, they can be in a space where, where their buying power continues to increase or in the fiat space where their buying power continues to decrease. So as more and more people move out of fiat to crypto, what happens to the demand for money? It drops. That means that they have to, they have to create even more supply to maintain the same level of spending. That causes it to drop even further, which pushes more money into crypto. Right? It could be, we, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but it could be that if economic activity leaves the fiat space and moves into this alternative space, governments might have to actually live within their means they they're just not they're not ready to do that right um yeah of course so, yeah, many, that's... so many questions right we we don't have the answers to, to any of these questions but there you know and th- and then there's all the uses of blockchain right blockchain is being used in healthcare it's being used in supply chain it's being used in voting um i was in cameroon not too long ago and i was talking to the president who uh has won duly you know, uh, uh, legitimate uh, democratic elections, right? He's been the president for 38 years. And when I was talking to the minister of uh, ICT, Internet Communications and Technology, she said, "We're not going to talk about blockchain and voting." <laughs> so um, yeah, it's just amazing. We, we're working with some folks out of Dubai that are uh, that are putting blood and organ donations on the blockchain. Um, let, let me, can I, can I tell you just a little bit about the GBA organization itself?
0: Please, yes, I'd like to know more about it. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, so uh, 2018, um, this is now, um, it's January of 2019. Um, 2018 marks our first full calendar year in existence. We currently have about 15,000 people attending events in 90 cities around the world. We've got, I think the number is around 54 working groups on uh, every subject, like uh, asset management, uh, identity management, supply chain, Um, you know, uh, voting, healthcare, genomic research. I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. You can – people can see a list at GBAglobal.org. And so what we do in the working groups is um, uh, people in government can join GBA for free, and they come to the working groups and they say, here are the problems we're trying to solve, right? And then the the GBA members, we're we're a membership organization, so uh, individuals and companies pay uh, pay a little bit for membership. It's, It's really affordable. And um, they they come to the table and say, well, here's our solution. Here's our white paper. Here's our idea, and they do the solutioneering in the working groups, right? Mm. And that way, it, the government employees can go, go back into those other spaces, and they now have the information that they need to make smart choices with regard to um, uh, you know how they're going to tackle some of these things. And so um, we got we got chapters. Uh, uh, all over the place. It includes CIOs for local cities. Uh, we've had representations with uh, with governors. Um, we had an advisory committee meeting today, and we had uh, we had legislators from the, uh, the U.S. House of Representatives, and, and so, um, and we interact with local city, uh, you know, local, state, national, and international governments. We've spoken with the United Nations. Um, we have chapters throughout the U.S., Canada, Central America, South America, Hawaii. Uh, London, Paris, Dubai, Moscow, Beijing. We've, we've got GBA members in uh, in uh, Iran. Um, our our chapter in Beijing is literally right next to the Chinese um, Communist Party Central Committee uh, headquarters. is in the former office of Chairman Mao. Um, we've got chapters in Singapore, um, all through Africa, and all, all of this. And then you know, all of this has basically come together. We uh, we were initially uh, a meetup. Um, our first meetup was August of 2016. We became an association in March of 2017. Uh, we launched uh, a website in March of 2017, and by the, um, I'm sorry, we, we launched the website in the summer of 2017, and then by the end of 2018, uh, we we have, uh, like I said, over 15,000 people around the world.
0: Amazing. Wow, that's uh, for any type of organization. That's That's quite impressive, but um like in general like that's a lot of people and that's really quick um i can't claim i know any other organization that has grown that fast um what is the i mean what's the mission statement for a gba so what's, the, what's so the mission if i was if right. i was like if i'm in the space if i'm in blockchain and if i'm listening to this and i'm like ah should i join gba i mean what but you know it's just another so what would you say like what's the mission of it right so
1: uh, we are a business league, right? And, and you know, one thing that uh, as you grow, people are always going to try to pull you in different directions. So I've been mm. very, very passionate about clearly articulating uh, exactly what we are. And basically what we do is we bring government and business together to find solutions. Mm. So that's why folks in government can join for free, and that's why uh, you know the the, the the individuals and the companies that join GBA, they... they um, they 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 pay a little bit of money so they can connect communicate and collaborate and so success for us is that every time we hear uh, about a project where gbo members are working together uh, Uh on an rfp or coming up with a solution or deploying a solution we just brag about them big time and so we have a social media outreach um if, if one of our working groups uh you know has a create something does something of value We do a a strategic outreach, and it'll generally hit 100,000 eyeballs uh, within about a week because we want everybody Mm -hmm. to know about the success that they're having. Because that shines light on GBA. When we shine light on our members, it makes GBA
0: look stronger. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, and what's the website, um, finally, so people can um, learn more? Sure. It's
1: gbaglobal.org.
0: So Government Blockchain Association, GBA
1: Global.org.
0: All right. Well, hey Gerard, I really want to appreciate you for um and recognize you for taking time out of your schedule for this interview. And thank you for um educating myself and the listeners on your on some of the principles, a principle-based uh, life in business, and uh, also about educating us more on GBA. Like I really appreciate it. And um again for the for all the viewers, um, check out the website if you're if you're in blockchain, if you're even just curious about it, I mean, it is the future. So, um, so again, thanks Gerard. Um, appreciate everyone for coming out and listening today. Again, Adam Torres um, on Instagram, ask Adam Torres. You can um, follow me there to get all the updates of the books I'm releasing events, all the other things that are happening over in the money matters world and uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you, Gerard. Thank you, Adam.